Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Liam Mick from KCBS Foodie Chat with restaurateur Joe Hargrave. Joe, good to see you, my friend. Nice to see you, too. Uh, we're talking MF Chicken. We're talking Tacalicious. We're talking Masto Bar. We're talking cocktails, tacos, and chicken, and more. Uh, we got a lot to talk about here, a lot yeah. of ground to cover. we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. I think we can do it. My first question always, what are we drinking? We are drinking the Margarita Fresca, which is Blanco tequila, a little bit of agave, and fresh watermelon juice with Absolutely. a chili pepper. Yeah, here we go. Mm. Oh, my. Wow. Isn't that a kick in the pants? Yeah, good stuff. Joe, your journey. Grew up in Modesto, California. You're a California boy all the way. We know that. We know that by the blue colors you wear. We'll get into that in just a moment. <laughs> Growing up in Modesto, who was cooking in the family? What was coming out of the kitchen? Everyone. Everybody was cooking. My dad actually worked as a short order cook in the Southern California when he was working his way through school. And my mom was a terrific cook. We were very humble um, family, but we invested money in our kitchen and everybody in the house was part of it. So the kitchen in many ways, the centerpiece of the home? Definitely. Dinners together? Every night. When did you muck in in the kitchen? Um, I, I, I made really terrible pancakes through high school. And, <laughs> and, and, and after high school, I started really getting, getting into it. I, I needed to take the lead. Do you recall your first triumph, your first culinary triumph, when you realized, yeah, you know, I can, I can cook a little. You know, I can, I can, I've got this dish down. I, I, did a, I did a dinner party for my parents after about five or six years in the restaurant business, and we cooked. Hubert Keller had launched the cuisine of Hubert Keller, his, his wonderful French cookbook. I've heard of that guy, Hubert yeah. Keller. I know, I know <laughs> that guy. I know you guys are friends. He's a, he's a good one. Yeah. And I, I learned a couple of things from his book. One, I should never, ever be a chef. And two, I'm not very good at fine dining. <laughs> but but it, we did have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. We did really have a lot of fun with it. Um, clearly a passion for you early on not just the cooking side but the hospitality you were on a path to go to culinary school what happened i um started working at restaurant lulu in its first year of operations and um they had a he was the chef de cuisine he became the executive chef and partner a guy named jody denton pulled me aside one day sat me down and told me that the culinary school would one not be a very good investment for me because i was all front of the house so that that was about it i so business up front party at the back business up front party in the back that's right <laughs> cheers to that you know uh every time we laugh we have to drink <laughs> keep them coming yeah so i think this is going to be a this is going to be a great interview uh all right so you're here in the big city san francisco kid from modesto uh when you land here in the city Tell me about the culinary scene. When we're talking late nineties, uh, early nineties, yeah. and it was um, it was an interesting time because the city, and I, I figured this out later, but the city was going through something. I think that I walked into Lulu because my mom clipped out an article from Sunset Magazine and told me I should apply for a job there. Yeah. And it was one of the first restaurants that actually focused um, on a specific region. In their case, it was Provence, yeah. but 
I think leading up to that, where there was restaurants like Stars that were very famous, that sure. might, have, might have had a hodgepodge of American fare. Yeah. Lulu was doing ingredient-driven Provencal cuisine, and then later on, Reed opened Rose Pistola, which did ingredient-driven Ligurian cuisine, yeah. and really taught you to appreciate a region through a domestic or through a California lens. And you know, it was an interesting time in San Francisco, uh, mid-90s, I mean, to the late 90s, uh, the first dot-com boom, yep. which many, many people call the second gold rush, if you will. Yep. Uh, and with that boom, the techies came great restaurants. People yep. were being served uh, in the fine dining world. Uh, it, was, it was French. It was Italian. It was Californian and a blend of all, all of the above and more. Yeah, and I think for guys, guys like you and I in our mid-30s, I mean, we were a little bit young for it. No, I'm sorry. For, for guys <laughs> like you, us. For, for, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers, right. For guys like us in our mid-40s. <laughs> Who's counting, eh? We were, we, yeah. were on the, we were on the sidelines watching that tech explosion, and it yeah. was a fascinating time. You know, I remember I would, I would plan my, my grocery shopping, you know, based on... Uh, the dot-com parties that were going to be uh, enjoyed throughout the week. Right. And sometimes my calendar would have three or five parties every week. And it was for, like, mydogfood.com party or hubcaps.com right, right. or uh, trees.com. <laughs> if you got too busy, you could call Webvan and just have your groceries sure. delivered, yeah. right? The good old days. I mean, it was an exciting time in the city. Everyone wanted to be here. Uh, a little bit different. I mean, this... The second boom has been a little bit more intense. Uh, it just feels like there are so many more people here uh, than ever before. But it was the first run at the, at the, at the tech boom uh, yeah. there in, in the sort of mid to late 90s. Yeah, I think, I, think they, I think they needed to learn that businesses had to be responsible. They, they exploded. They, they went from maybe the, the adolescent to more adult, the grown-up. Sure. And, and everybody in business has to do that, right? Yeah. You have to be responsible. Uh, you would eventually <laughs> open up your own restaurant yep. tell me about it um so after a good 15 years of running other people's restaurants i got enough people to believe that they should invest in um my vision and um with a with a partner who is no longer my business partner he's gone back into the tech sector but yeah. um we managed to raise the money and open our first uh, cal spanish restaurant called Loyola and it was terrific, and it had great food, and we worked from some lovely people. And like the first tech boom, we had absolutely no idea how to actually keep the money that we were making. So we almost went out of business. And yeah. when the and when the when the um, economy collapsed in two thousand, so I opened it in two thousand seven, yeah. and in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when things started to get shaky, we almost lost we almost lost the business. And it was a pretty dark time, but also a really taught me to be more responsible. Sure. And, you know, out of that, uh, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, from the came ashes. this <laughs> wonderful new opportunity. Uh, your lovely wife, Sarah, uh, you turned to her, and you turned to your kids to really decide, well, if we're not going to do Liola, yeah. what are we going to do? Yeah. What do kids love to eat? Yeah, kids like to eat, um, kids like to eat three things. <laughs> they, they like to eat they like to eat tacos, they like to eat burgers, and they like to eat pizza. And interestingly, in those times, those were the things that were thriving. And I had a, I had a history with Mexican food, and yeah. you know what ended up happening? Another friend, a friend of ours is, um, is Lulu from Cuesa. Yeah. She had reached out to Sarah, and she was taking on uh, soliciting potential uh, farmer's market stand yeah. people for that they were going to launch a Thursday market, and they wanted it to be street food focused. And 
I asked if I could do um, a taco concept, and they thought that was crazy, but they they agreed to it. I remember those early days. I I was an instant fan. I just was, uh, and actually, uh, I believe I do hold a record. Uh, by the way, Tacolicious at the market, Ferry Plaza Farmers Market, Tuesdays, Thursdays. No, just just Thursdays, just Thursdays. Uh, everyone's rushing down there on Tuesday. Uh, the th- but the Thursday, the Thursday market. Uh, whenever I would hit it up, I would always hit up the Tacolicious stand. You have guest chefs. You've done that for a number of years. Uh, and joyfully, I am the only non-chef ever to have uh, been on the line yeah. serving tacos. I think, I think we're uh, non-chefing each other right now. I think, oh, yeah. I'm, I think, I think I'm your first non-chef guest. Yeah, so that's great. Here we go. Cheers to that, yeah, Joe. Cheers. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell folks at home that uh, I'm the number three bestseller of tacos ever at your Market Thursday we're, Guest we're, Chef Day. We're going to get you a Tacolicious We're Number Three t-shirt. Uh, you know, it's good to be number three. <laughs> Who wants to be number two? Who wants to be number one? Number three is good. Number three. Yeah. Keeps you humble. Yeah. Uh, so, Tacolicious, a real, a real hit at the market, clearly. Uh, and then, Laola, um, out of that came the, yes. the first Tacolicious restaurant yeah. down there uh, in the marina. Yep, on Chestnut Street. We were... We were uh, we, we, we plugged along and we got really scrappy with Tacolicious and by the end of the first six months we were actually outselling the brick and mortar restaurant that we had with just doing catering and and um, pop ups in bars and yeah. anything else anybody else would let us sell our tacos and yeah. we we circled the wagons in one day and decided you know what we've already done the hard work we have the four walls we have the liquor license let's convert this thing so in in January of 2010 my dad as well as Mikey, our, our operations director, um, Sarah and her family. We got in there and we spent 10 days resurfacing the place and painting and ripping out the bar and putting in new bar and putting in lighting. We had a very, very shoestring budget because we were broke and terrified. And that was, that was New Year's Day 2010, and we opened on January 11th, 2010, our first Tacolicious location. But listen, uh, what you brought was simplicity. Uh, and, you know, the reality... Of it may have been that you were on a budget, but you walk into Tacolicious from the first first restaurant, the first one you opened there, uh, immediately a sense of fun, simplicity, a place to bring the kids, a place where the adults can also sit at the bar, uh, have great cocktails with great tacos. Um, it's been a storming success. Big news when you went into the mission, Valencia Street. Uh, a lot of people may have gone, wait a minute. Really? Talk delicious? Going to make it in the mission? What do these, what do these guys know? Yeah. Well, here we are. How many years later? Yeah. How many tacos later? Yeah. How many happy tummies later? Yeah. It's interesting. We actually did the math on this. We were figuring out our tortillas. We've actually sold 35 million tacos. I'm sorry. One more time. 35 million. We've sold 35 million tacos. Wow. Yeah. It's Gosh. Who, who would have thunk? Yeah. Taco-tastic. Yeah. Taco-tastic. Now, was, was it always taco-licious? Um, so that was a friend of mine, and she said that word to me via Skype or via via um, chat. And I looked at Sarah, and I said, Tacolicious. And my daughter, Mia, who was nine at the time, yeah. she's almost 17 now, she looked at me and put her arms in the air and said, Tacolicious. And that that was it. Yeah. And, and we drew a silly little symbol. 
but keep in mind when we when we started it was supposed to be a market stand and we were making fun of ourselves yeah and we didn't know that this would all happen how many restaurants now how many tacalicious restaurants uh we have five in the united states we have uh chestnut valencia north beach uh san jose on santana row we have palo alto and then we've opened a location called taco lab with my dear sweet chef friend donnie masterton who lives in san miguel de allende mexico hola danny Danny or Donny? Donny. Donny. But I always call him Danny. Uh, Mosto, Mosto Bar, next to Tarkalicious, right there. I remember opening day, little jam jars up on the roof. You remember the first half of opening day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, was there a story there, Joe? No. No, oh, I know what happened, yes. Actually, I don't remember what happened. Uh, Also, you have Pancho Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar, bar, uh, bar San Pancho, which uh, people might not know, but the word Pancho, if anybody you've ever met named Pancho, it is a nickname for someone named Francisco. So Bar San Pancho is an affectionate name for our lovely city. Yeah, which we love. Uh, that brings us to chicken. Yes. MF Chicken. What's behind the name? Um, so it's actually our founding executive chef and my true sweet love, one of my best friends, and Telmo Faria. Who we love Tom, By the way, every time we mention his name, we got a drink. Yeah, drink to that too. Telmo, uh, Telmo is a uh, of Portuguese descent, and he left us a couple of years ago to live out his dream of opening a Portuguese restaurant. Umacasa, Umacasa, doing great, doing fantastic, and we're proud of him. Um, Telmo and I have a lot of travels and time together, and MF Chicken will never be divulged to anybody, <laughs> but it is not what people think it is. Yeah. But I guess we could say, if everybody has their own iteration, we will call it Mecklen's Favorite Chicken. There we go, Mecklen's Favorite Chicken. I love it. Hey, just drink to that. Yeah, just drink to that. We're running out. Bartender? <laughs> so, Joe, um, we're going to get in the kitchen in just a minute. We're going to cook the perfect side to go with your MF Chicken. Uh, talk us through the experience. If people want to have the MF Chicken experience, yeah. uh, what are they getting exactly? Uh, and watch behind the recipe, because we know this is something you've labored over. Yep. This is a love, a passion of yours. Yep, it is. And it, it comes from a couple of different things. Obviously, my time at Lulu, if you remember that big rotisserie you had in the yep. middle of the dining room. Yeah, yeah. And also when I was a kid, before they commercialized and packaged themselves, El Pollo Loco was just really lovely food. And my parents stopped there frequently. We were on the freeway traveling from place to place because it was the kind of fast food they could feed the kids. <laughs> easy, that, healthy. Totally easy, totally healthy. And Fast forward all these years, I live in San Francisco, and Sarah and I have young kids, and we're wanting to feed them good food without spending a lot of money, and we developed a concept called MF Chicken, and basically we leveraged our Tacolicious brand. We took the rice and the beans and the tortillas and the salsas, and then we came up with a, we take a Rocky Junior and we rub it with the spice blend that we came up with, a house ricotto, and we uh, we let that um, hold overnight, and then we have a marinade, and we put it on the rotisserie. It couldn't be any easier, and the idea is that we give a super healthy, clean dinner for a family of four for under 40 bucks in San Francisco brought to you. It's very easy. That's not bad at all, right? Not bad. Not bad. Simple concept. Sign me up. I'll take two. That's right. Uh, We will get in the kitchen in just a moment couple more things we have to talk about uh, along the way uh, you with your amazing brilliant super sexy wife Sarah uh, she listens to Foodie Chap I know love you Sarah hi Sarah hi Sarah hi Sarah uh, hey how you doing uh, Talkalicious the book uh, Sarah for those who don't know uh, is an amazing food writer and editor uh, one of the best the Talkalicious book I mean what a joy to have 
that book as part of your culinary arsenal. Yeah, man. And you know, that was the coolest thing, too, because up until then, while Sarah has collaborated on Taco Licious, but up until 2013, when Tin Speed awarded us the opportunity to write the book, Sarah was working full time for San Francisco Magazine. And she went to an editor at large status and sat at our. I can't say enough about the good people at 10 yeah. Speed Press because they gave her the opportunity to write the book from start to finish and yeah. send them a complete product. And so from our kitchen table, I watched her write the Tacolicious cookbook and photograph it with, with uh, one of our investors as a photographer, yeah. you know, styling everything, having her mother and my father be recipe testers. It was just super cool to watch. So, yeah. yeah. Um, then there's the charity aspect. You guys have always been incredibly generous. You're all about community. You're about giving back. And you have the Tacolicious School Project. And you are, I mean, you're at a very important milestone. Tell me about the project and about the giving that you've joyfully done these past years. Yes, yeah, so our, our, kids, our kids go to public school in San Francisco, and it's... Uh, they're, they're cash-strapped, and they're, it's a challenge. And we thought early on that we should have a platform, not just taking money out of the community, but also giving it back. And we thought that we would, we would invest in the public schools. And as we've opened each restaurant, again, we had no plan to have this many. Yeah. But as we opened each restaurant, we've taken one month uh, per school for each restaurant. And in that month, every Monday, we give 15% of our sales back, our top-line sales back to that school for the whole month. Yeah. And... What started out as a really small, kind of goofy thing, the Taco Lucia School Project this year is in our fifth year, and by the end of this year, we will cross the $1 million milestone of money that we've given back to public schools. One more time. $1 million. $1 million. It's insane. Like we, that's huge. And, that's and, amazing. And, and that's, that, you know, I, I think I actually conceptualized the first one, but that's actually been Corey, our PR manager. He's a great guy, isn't he? I love a, that. I love Corey. He's yeah. the best, and he's got great chest hair. Yeah. And and so Corey, Glad you said that. <laughs> Corey, Corey, and Sarah um, run the marketing department along with Ron, and they they have, yeah, they, they have um, they have really led that charge and should should be commended for for that well, listen i'm going to raise a glass to you let's do it uh, oh, i'm running low joe i like interviewing with you <laughs> mf chicken uh folks at home uh we are going to get in the kitchen we are going to put together a little side dish talk me through this little side dish uh, that goes with your mf chicken yeah so the the um <clears throat> people who are into authentic food are going to listen to this and their heads are going to explode but we're taking the leftovers because it comes with rice and it comes with chicken and it comes with cilantro and salsa. We're taking the leftovers the next morning and we're making a breakfast fried rice with uh, MF chicken. Breakfast fried yes, rice. Sir. Crack an egg, scramble it in, ready to go. I say we get into the kitchen. Uh, folks at home, Joe's going to share the recipe with you. More on Joe's story, the Tarkalicious story, the Mosto story, the MF chicken story, the Bar Poncho story. And the boys' night out trip we're going to take to Mexico soon. All those stories you'll find at cbssf.com and click on Foodie Champ. Maybe not the boys' night out. Cheers to that. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law.